popular question we get asked regularly is, how do I know if my customers are happy with our relationship? There's probably no better way to identify how to build better relationships with your clients than by using our Mindset Survey tool. The Sales Mindset Survey is a free-to-use tool that is revolutionizing the sales performance industry. This survey utilizes competing questions and the user's perceptions of themselves to identify just how well they truly perform. Are you manipulative or authentic, supplier or client-centric, complacent or proactively creative, overtly arrogant or tactfully audacious? There is no right or wrong and the survey will only be helpful as you are honest. But then why did you go one step further? We also offer a 360-degree perspective that allows you to share the survey with your peers and colleagues as well as your customers to gain even deeper understanding of how you sell. Do your customers see you in the same light of how you see yourself? Becoming a better salesperson has never been an easy task, but the journey can be made much quicker and more effective with the right tools. By focusing on those problem areas, you will join the top 10% of sales performers in the industry and make your way to the winner's circle. Why did you give the Sales Mindset Survey a go today? The results may just surprise you. The link to the survey is in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. We're here today to celebrate the launch of Dr. Grant Van Albrook's new book, Transforming Sales Management, and its accompanying app, Scared, So What? My name is Patrick Joyner. I'm Managing Director at the Institute of Sales Professionals. It's a real privilege uh, that Dr. Grant has asked me to come and uh, welcome you to this afternoon's webinar. I say this afternoon's, I think we've been joined by over 400 people from all over the globe. So whether it's good afternoon, good evening, good morning, you're all equally welcome. And we're really glad that you've come to join us on this event. This book is all about managing sales transformation. And at the Institute of Sales Professionals, we are full of members who are leading sales organizations who seem to be either in the process of going through a major sales transformation. They've just completed one or they're about to start. The whole sales profession seems to be in a state of complete flux. Uh, and to guide us through this sort of tumultuous time that people are experiencing, we're joined by, as well as Dr. Grant, three other world experts on sales transformation who are going to share a little bit about their story, a little bit about their views about what's critical for us to be considering about sales transformation. And of course, to help us set the stage for the launch of Dr. Grant's book. So the first of those is Teresa. Uh, Teresa is the editor-in-chief of the Change Management Review, uh, Teresa Moulton, and it's a great uh, privilege to have us with us here today, joining us from the US. Teresa, perhaps you'd like to introduce yourself to our guests. Yes, hello. I am very happy to be here in support of Dr. Van Ulbuch's book. And I think my role on this particular panel is to bring some of the crossover com concepts around change and organizational change to bear, uh, because that is one of the mo more interesting components of Dr. Grant's book that I've seen. Uh, my background is 25 years in implementing organizational change management initiatives. And I'm really happy to be here. Teresa, thank you very much indeed. Uh, and I'd also like to introduce you to Dr. Willy Bolander, uh, also from the US. Dr. Willy, it's great to have you with us. Welcome to the webinar. Yeah, thank you. And thank you guys for inviting me, Grant. Thank you for the invite. Uh, I am a professor. I teach sales classes currently at Texas A&M University uh, here in beautiful College Station where it's been raining for like two weeks. <laughs> uh, I also host a podcast called the Sales Lab podcast where I interview people like Grant and like some of the other panelists, hopefully in the near future, um, just to have them share their tips, their insights, the things they've learned, the things they think need to be changed about the practice of sales and sales management and uh, happy to be here to talk about transformation and change. Thank you. That's great. Willie, thank you very much indeed. Uh, and I find myself surrounded by academics of far greater repute than I could ever even aspire to. And to complete this trio of academics, we have Dr. Phil Squire, who is the CEO of the Consalia Sales Business School, also himself a successfully published author on sales transformation. 
And indeed, he was one of the lecturers on Dr. Grant's doctorate program. So uh, Dr. Phil can definitely share with us some insights into the journey that's brought Grant to this place. Dr. Phil, it's just uh, interesting for me, though, that you've got a specialist sales business school, something that we don't hear a great deal about very often. Tell us some more about that. Well, uh, thank you. I, I find it amazing that here am I at this sort of stage in life, and I now have one of my students, Grant, not only completing a master's, but uh, completing a doctorate as well, and now publishing a book and developing an app. I find it quite extraordinary. Um, but no, I, I think sales, as we may talk about on this uh, in this conversation, is perhaps underrepresented within the academic world. I don't know if Dr. Balanda would agree with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, particularly in the UK, we've never had a professional institution that actually can offer postgraduate uh, degree programs and undergraduate degree programs. Um, and we now have that in the UK. We can talk more about this perhaps later, Patrick. But I think the topic of transformation in sales is really interesting and it's uh, it's wonderful to be here you know to be on this panel with such great people and it's also great to be here with Grant as well you know he's done incredibly well in a very short space of time so thank <laughs> you that's wonderful I think we should also give Grant the opportunity just to introduce himself and set the scene before we throw the conversation open wider into the panel Grant, the floor is yours. Thank you so much. It's an honor to have all of you here to support this day. It is a day that we have been looking forward to for many years, obviously, from the start of the master's program back in 2018 with Dr. Squire and the Consalia Sales Business School team to the relationship and journey of where I am here today to be able to speak and have good relationships with each of you. So thank you. I am Dr. Grant Van Albrick, and my main role is I am the Global Director of Sales Transformation at Royal Caribbean Cruises Limited. So I support all of our sales teams around the world, mostly for international in supporting their journey through sales, teaching them the sales science and the sales psychology behind sales, everything that I've learned from Consalia and also through my doctorate, and building the programs that really transform their way of selling. You know, we have uh, great learnings from the 1980s where you had the consultative sales techniques, the tips and tricks and how you're supposed to overcome objections. But there's a reason why people say that was from the 80s, because it's from the 80s. We've advanced today and we've actually gone so much further into the era, which is of how people want to be sold to. And that is through the Consalia Sales Business School and what we've learned. How do you transform sales and how do you transform the people who are in the sales career pathway and profession? So I have asked these leaders to come with me today on this journey as we launch our books. Um, notice I said books. There is a first book that inspired all of this, and that comes from Dr. Philip Squire, which is called Selling Transformed. And it is a phenomenal book. I encourage every one of you to get it if you haven't. It really should be in every sales school and part of the sales and marketing curriculum. But he's inspired me to create my book as well, too, which is called Transforming Sales Management and the app that we'll talk about a little bit later today. But it's an honor to be with you. Each one of you I have a specific relationship with, and you're all part of my journey. And I'm very happy to be able to celebrate this day with you. So thank you, Patrick. And thank you, team. That's great. Thank you so much, Grant. I said in my introduction that it feels like everybody is in a state of permanent flux. Uh, it would be interesting to get the real experts view on this. It feels like we are just in a constant state of transformation. Teresa, is that what you see from your perspective? Yes, the state of transformation is exquisite, quite frankly. The speed of change is faster than ever before. We've got AI coming in. We've got digitization of most professions and we're only humans, right? We can only change so much. So the emotional connection that we have to each other is really what we need to focus on. Empathy is becoming one of the biggest skill sets that we need to formalize and practice and acquire in order to be able to keep up with the level of change that's happening and going to happen in the future. Indeed. And Phil, does that, how does that impact on the sales professionals, the sales leaders who are coming through 
the Consalia Sales Business School. What are you seeing that's changed for them and how is that impacting on their ability to lead and manage this transformation process that they're navigating? Well, I think the skills that are required in order to be effective today, whether it's in a sales leadership role or whether it's in a major account or a sales role, are very different because we are living in this sort of ambiguous, uncertain environment. And so we're, we're seeing some quite profound changes. I mean, there's quite a lot of research that is being conducted about how buyers want to buy. And we know that it's becoming more and more difficult for sellers to be able to get to talk to buyers uh, in, in a one-on-one situation. That buyers prefer to deal more remotely to do their research. So we're invited into the... Um, onto the table to talk much later in the sales cycle. So you've got all sorts of challenges posed from the buyer's perspective. But I think if we're looking, if we're looking at some of the huge changes that are taking place at a more macro level and the speed of change, which Teresa, you mentioned, and, you know, I, you know, I quite, you know, quite agree with, is that it's becoming more and more difficult for organizations to know all the answers and so some of the things that we're beginning to see now is that buyers and selling sellers are needing to kind of co-create more to kind of uh, work together to um, to develop solutions together which can add value to their businesses and that and that requires a huge amount of trust and so the kind of skills that Tracy you mentioned in your short introduction just then, you know, the empathy, the relationship building is becoming uh, perhaps more important that now than it than it was in previous years. You know, the emotional intelligence that you need to have, uh, the ability to critically reflect on what's going on in the moment because things move so quickly is becoming one of the key competencies for sales. I mean, I could talk, Patrick, for a long time about this, but um, I think uh, I think it'll be interesting to hear the views of some of the others as well. So, absolutely. So, so Willie, from your perspective, you're 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 lecturing and teaching in in sales. How have how has the curriculum that you're teaching had to change in order to keep pace with this this extraordinary evolving commercial landscape that we're working in? Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll piggyback on what Philip just said, which is, uh, you know, this idea of the, well, and, and what Teresa said as well, uh, you know, in addition to the empathy, in addition to uh, those sorts of issues, uh, we're also seeing a pretty big need for an increase in analytical competence. Uh, you're talking about a solution, you're talking about these abstract constellations of products and services and, and 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 knowledge that get combined together to create something that you sell to a customer and uh, these things are getting trickier and trickier to understand and to formulate in a meaningful way and you know it, we're, we're well past the uh, part of time uh, where we could say you know uh, hey customer what do you want and the customer tells us and we give it to them um, well the customer doesn't know what they want sometimes, oftentimes, they uh, need your expertise to put it together and it gets tricky. So yes, empathy, absolutely. Emotional intelligence, absolutely. But uh, also enough just brain power to put a really good solution together, to put a solution together that's better than your next competitors. Um, The only other thing that was popping into my mind listening to uh, everyone else was uh, you know, we're, we're talking a lot about macro changes. Uh, I, would, I would describe them as macro changes. Uh, you know, the environment is forcing us, you know, COVID is forcing us to uh, respond. Uh, there's also these sort of internal things where uh, I, I blame uh, MBA programs, somewhat ton, tongue in cheek, but not entirely, uh, for producing a bunch of students who uh, believe that the only way they can make an impact on their uh, organization is to come and flip over tables and change something, right? They're not going to be rewarded and praised for uh, keeping things good. They're only going to be rewarded and praised if they transform, if they do something different. So, you know, you've got a lot of pressures coming from all different angles, not just the environment and the economy, uh, but individual people's drives to want to make their mark, right? Absolutely. And, and of course, all the time that these changes are going on, the poor salespeople at the front line are still having to generate the business. 
uh, that the mm -hmm. world doesn't stop just because you're going through change. And that must have a massive impact on the individuals, the, the, the levels of, of, of exhaustion, the levels of anxiety around this change, whilst trying to hit a big number, which is always going to be bigger than last year's number, has, has, has got to have an impact. And I, I think that's, that, that triggered quite a lot in your research, uh, Grant. Absolutely. That's at the heart of what my research was about. And, um, you know, we'll talk with Dr. Squire in just a, a little bit more about the master's program and where the Consulting and Sales Business School uh, really thrives. But that is where my journey started, was with him and with that master's program in the fact that I was learning how do I, as a leader of sales and leader of people, how do I transform the way they're working? And part of transformation is tying into change. How do I lead change? And if you, if you think about that, I could use any array of existing global organizational change models of which what I learned about in the master's program, but really how do you impact and how do you get to the person, the individual level? And during this journey, a lot of people will say to me, but salespeople, you know, they're super, they're, they're outgoing, they're the passionate, they're the go-getters, the leaders. And that's true, but what's behind them? You know, what's underneath? They're individuals as well, too. So salespeople deal with massive amounts of change each and every day. And if you stop as a leader to think about it, you have internal pressures from the organization itself, driving from revenue management, KPIs, process management, contracts, uh, conversion, et cetera. But then you also have the reverse way, which comes from the actual customer themselves. How many times do you face deal rejection? Ghosting. Ghosting is a big problem that's happening right now between salespeople and B2B customers. You can't get them to answer back. You can't get them to answer the phone or to meet their appointments, et cetera. So the individual, which is the salesperson who's caught in the middle, how do they deal with that? And that's where my journey on the master's program was. I had a conflict myself in learning. And uh, I think I'm going to let Dr. Phil talk about that moment because I think it surprised him quite a bit. Yeah, I remember that um, I think it was on module four that we we're running and we were talking about the various change models and uh, change theories, you know, the, the, the famous and quite well-known ones, whether it's Cotter or whatever. And uh, I remember Grant looking decidedly pissed off. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if I can use that language on this, but you can. Um, can I? Okay. You just did. Uh, and he had his arms sort of crossed, and he, which is unusual actually for Grant because he's always smiling and bubbly and, uh, and so on. And, um, and he said that the change models that we had, um, that we had uh, taught, if you like, and shared with Grant, he said didn't do it for him. And I, I looked at him and um, one of the things that we we encourage on the masters is to challenge um, to, to challenge the status quo you know to to challenge um, you know perceived wisdom because it shows a degree of critical thinking that we we love to encourage in students you know salespeople need to be good at doing that and I looked at him there was a there was a thought that went through my mind with which was, is Grant being a bit arrogant here? You know, you're talking about people who've spent years and years studying change. And here's Grant on day three of a workshop saying, I'm not sure these models do it for me. <laughs> anyway, that thought didn't last for long. Uh, but I said to Grant, okay, well, if it doesn't do it for you, why don't you go and create your own model? And, uh, and I had no idea what Grant had in mind when he um, <laughs> when he said what he said on on the work on on the workshop. But uh, what he did was something pretty amazing, in my view. You know, it, it it takes a lot of courage to you know put your hand up and to you know to to challenge you know the perceived wisdoms out there. And it takes a lot of effort to go through the process of research and study and, and, and sort of create your new theories around change. And I, I love the way that he, he started to broach the gap that I think potentially exists between change at, at an organizational level and then change at a personal level. And I think he was absolutely right in pursuing his, uh, his interest in this particular topic. There you go. Well, thanks, Dr. Phil. I appreciate that. And this is where 
Dr. Willie and Teresa came into my life as well too, uh, post the doctoral program. So not only did I have that challenge, and, and Dr. Phil, you and I just talked about the, this this morning. He, as a as a leader, as a teacher, he could have very easily said, these are the models that I've taught you. There's hundreds of years of wisdom behind that. Uh, Teresa, you know that as well. Change management, all of the models that, that are out there, they're brilliant at what they do. Uh, he could very easily have just said, that's what you have to work with. And that could have ended so much for me. There would be no scared so what, there would be no book, and there certainly wouldn't have been the, me going through to the doctorate. But he, he challenged that. He said, if you're gonna think that way, then carry it through, carry it through to your research. And I know, Dr. Willie, you're that type of person as well. And I can just see you doing that with your students uh, that you teach in each and every day. And I hope you do. And hopefully something great will come from them as well too. But the recipe there was flawed. And I, I think that organizational change models are wonderful. But my objection was not to be flip or arrogant with Dr. Phil. My objection was human beings can reject change. Do you agree with that? And I think we all agree with that. We can. Well, as a sales leader, if I go to use these organizational change models on my team members, then I'm not including them on the journey. What happens if they reject the change that I institute or initiate within my organization? The only way I'm going to know it is A, if they find the courage to voice it, or B, if they leave. And how often does that happen? How many people do we lose through attrition because they don't agree with the changes that we impose at work or in our daily lives, right? So quickly, as after I built this model, we started to test it throughout the master's program all across the globe. We were able to do it within our organization, within our sales employees. And Royal Caribbean, who is my, my main employer, got behind me and said, wait a minute, there's something here. There's a movement that's happening with our people. They're embracing change much faster and they're moving on to their own so what plans. Could we also package this up and give it to our B2B customers, our travel agents throughout Europe, Middle East and Africa? And that's what we did. We packaged this up into a course and we gave it to them and started helping them on their journey. Now, mind you, we were all in the pandemic, so we were all experiencing massive change and the cruise industry got hit exceptionally hard, but so did our, our customers, our travel agents. So therefore we were working together on how do we manage personal change, which transforms into the organization as well. And that's where we proved out this is working. If you can bring the individual in to the conversation and help them to focus on change that is personal for them and help them to focus and critically think on a way through the change, then you can come in and apply an organizational change model because you've got people on board. And as Graft. a supervisor, I want to know who's on board with the change. Yes, Graft. Dr. Phil. Yeah, just I, I think it, I think one of the things that it w might be interesting for the listeners to to understand is that mm -hmm. is that when you were on the master's program, you know, the pandemic hit, and one of the overriding images I've got are those cruise ships that was were stuck off the coast of California. I think it was. Do you remember? You know, with people yeah, who weren't able yeah. to get. We had them all over the world. Mm -hmm. And you had them all over the world. So I, I, you know, we, we've got clients in all sorts of different sectors, but I can't think of one sector that would have had, would have had had such a massive impact from the pandemic mm -hmm. as your sector. And I yeah. think this, this for me also qualifies why this, this notion of change and how you manage change, you know, you, you, were, you were dealing within a context of a business that was, you know, basically came to a crushing halt. You yeah. know? Most businesses were able to find a way to continue, but yours didn't. And I think this is very important because it, it qualifies you, I think, more than many, many people to be able to say you... You know, you know about change, you know about dramatic change, you know yeah. what it can do for people at an organizational level and also at, at, at a personal level because you had people wondering, you know, worried about their careers, about their jobs, about, you know, could they even get home because they were stuck on ships for months, you know. So, yeah. so for me, I think the authenticity of the interest you took in this topic, you know, is a great contributing factor to the fact the book's now been written, 
and the app's now been designed and it's out there. I mean, I just think that that journey is a very important part of your story mm. and your credibility to be able to tell the story as you Thank are. you. And there's a flip side to that as well, too. Not only was that so publicly visible to the world, you know, big giant cruise ships sitting off the coast with about, you know, 30, 40 crew, crew members and nobody else on board for over two years is, is scarred in our memories forever. And I know there's a good friend of mine, Shannon McKee, who's on this call as well, too. She can attest as a global sales leader. It's just phenomenal. But what about the impact of the salespeople that I was in, in, in task to support? You know, and that's where there couldn't have been a better time to do this research and conduct a new change model because we were in the, we were in the crust of completely shutting down. So Royal Caribbean Cruises is over 80,000 employees down to, you know, making billions in revenue to making zero and ships all of a sudden zero and our travel agents zero. How do we deal with that? So during the master's program, after I had created the model itself and the quiz that goes along with it, uh, there is a quiz that you can take to assess your feelings and help you to make uh, an informed decision. And that's the key. We want you to stop assumption. We want you to de-stress. We want you to de-anxiety. And we want you to start to critically reflect on what's happening to you so you can make an informed decision. But then where most organizational change models fall off, change still, still is personal. You know, uh, the change isn't done. It's still within in you. So we ask, well, so what? What's your so what plan and what, what's your strategy? So we built this and put it into play. And human resources asked me, they said, Grant, we're eventually going to have to let people go. We have a lot of salespeople, a lot of employees that are going to have to go. We're not sailing. We're going to close down offices, et cetera. Can you teach this to our sales members and our, our staff to see if we can make a difference and help them? Now, we fully expected people to completely check out. They were going to lose their jobs, right, uh, over, over a short period of time. But what happened was we taught Scared So What to them. We did uh, workshops. Uh, I, I did one-on-ones, and we taught the leadership how to do it as well, too. And the phenomenal factor was people didn't check out. People actually started to slow down, think it through, make an informed decision about what they wanted, and then they were coming to us as individuals saying, I need this from you. I need help with resumes. I need help with uh, job continuation. I need help with X, Y, Z to support my family. And then they went back to work. They were calmer. They were more satisfied. They were more engaged because the stress and worry was, was processed. They didn't have that anxiety built up. So to your point, there couldn't have been a better recipe to build a new change model than the global pandemic um, and what happened to us within the industry. But since then, even carrying this out and putting it through to our customers, we had over 1,100 travel agents across Europe, Middle East, and Africa participating in using Scared So What for themselves. Um, and the impact, we had travel agents saying, we're using this with our families. We have children as young as 14 years old who are using it. And in my engaging conversation with them, I said, why do you think the kids are getting it so much faster? And the common theme was coming back to say, well, adults have bias towards learning. We seem to know it all, right? We're older. <laughs> I see you you smiling, uh, Willie, as well, too. So, yeah. But the children are, have less bias. So you teach them something. You give it to the comfort of their own environment, and they can learn. And you're giving them a skill set that they can learn how to process and internalize what's happening to them with change. And I just think that's phenomenal. I didn't realize in our research at the moment that this would go beyond sales. But since then, throughout my doctorate as well, and even writing the book, it truly is. It's transformed and transcribed through all age groups, um, all different types of people all over the world. So um, it's, it's been quite a journey. So the idea of an app to support a book is 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 something quite quite new to me at least. Perhaps I'm a dinosaur, but but it sounds as if that experience you had with with Royal Caribbean and your your travel agent partners and all the rest of it is that is that the genesis that sits behind the app and who's the app designed for? Is it for the individual? Is it for the organisation? Is it both? How how does it work? Yeah, it's for both. So how initially we started it in the masters. Uh, through Dr. Philip Squire. Dr. Squire at Consalia has this program called the Sales Mindsets, and it's a way of assessing your mindset as a sales professional. Do you have a positive mindset or a negative mindset? And what are you, it's tied to your behaviors. 
what behaviors do you demonstrate and portray? And I learned that process. I was very intrigued by behind that. And I thought, well, what if I could use that to assess a person's feelings towards change? And could I use the methodology in a similar fashion to find out and express a visual result? So somebody doesn't have to guess and they can actually see a result. And the answer was yes. And so that's what I did. Um, so initially it was an Excel uh, quiz. So people could take the question and then um, actually visually see it. They could see the result. And the so what was where all change management models kind of stop. How could you build your so what so that you could take uh, your own strategy, your own options or opportunities, build a way forward, and then actually document how you're going to take ownership of the change. So that was all in Excel. Um, and as I wrote the book and as I moved forward, I thought, well, what if I could digitize this and put the power to manage change, get it out of Excel and put it in people's hands so that they can manage change in real time. So if you're on lunch, take a quiz. Your boss just had a moment with you and you're not happy about it. How do you feel? See your results. So what are you going to do? Build your plan. Um, that was critically important to me and I wanted to be able to do that. So I had a burning desire to, to support that. But I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, now that the, the journey, I've worked with Teresa, I've been on the sales pod, lab podcast with do, uh, Dr. Willie as well too. Teresa, what has been your viewpoint from the work that I'm trying to do with Scared So What, Transforming Sales Management? You're, you're such a guru and such a, an expert in global organizational change. It would be interesting to see your thoughts. Well, you know, I think after reading the book, the one uh, word that came out for me was choice. And these large, uh, these large change models, you know, they, they get implemented on companies, as you say, and then it's kind of like, what do you do for the folks that are impacted? And what's usually done is um, there might be some information sessions, there might be some uh, training and then everybody's kind of left to make it, all the change happen and what's happened is that the buy-in or the adoption is can be very superficial and so what i think of scared so what in the model there is that it actually gives people the choice so here the big change comes and then you get to work with scared so what model and go through the choice consciously um, of are you going to support this change or not? And I think going through that and um, really makes a big difference for not only the, the individuals, but the company to realize you can't just cram this stuff down, down people's throats. You know, you really need to realize there are human beings. And um, if they get to make the choice, you get a better result at you know, in the end as well. So I found that it was very um, compassionate and the, the change management methodologies out there do not give people the choice. Um, it's all what you do to the people. Uh, and I think that this was very, um, you know, it's very important for people to know. And we had um, Grant on a uh, a webinar at Change Management Review. And um, Change Management Review tends to pull a more senior, sophisticated audience of practitioners that have been in the, um, the business for 15 to 20 years. And we had a good, we had a good 40 people on the webinar and we were, they were all discussing it. And I've never heard the silence as every word that he was saying. And at the end, people were thinking, and commenting about how much sense this made. And so for I feel confident that it makes a lot of sense for change professionals to pay attention to it because uh, that group of people um, would have said something. They would have been all over it, tearing it apart, you know, the whole thing. And they were all, they were all like, yes, this really makes sense. So, um, you know, I'm veering off topic a little bit, but I do think it's about choice. I do think, the scared so what model helps to integrate the change into the organization by um, supporting the individual. And I do think that the professional change community should pay attention to this as a tool in their toolkit as part of their methodology. I was really struck by your use of the word compassionate there. I don't think that's an adjective that many people who have been through a big transformation program would, would think to apply to the experience. 
so it, it's definitely a big change. Willie, how, how do you see this impacting on, on, on the way businesses think about implementing change in the future? Uh, well, I, I certainly agree with much of what Teresa just said. I, you know, the, this idea that uh, our employees are resources upon which to be, uh, we can act, right? Um, and it, it, you know, it reminds me of, uh, there's this phrase that I'm, some of us have maybe said, I've probably said it, I don't agree with it, uh, but I've probably said it in the past, and, and uh, this might be a, a debate for another day, but, you know, this notion that it, you take a somebody who's a good salesperson and you promote them into sales management and they don't uh, they don't those skills don't necessarily transfer and i think um it it makes me it makes me want to ask what what have you been training your salespeople to do because if you train them to listen if you train them to ask really good questions if you train them to help people work through objections and hurdles and uh then then those skills, it would seem, uh, certainly translate into a leadership role. Um, if you have been teaching them to put numbers on the scoreboard, then okay, yeah, maybe. But in any event, there's this temptation when somebody moves into a managerial role that, you know, they, they forget that they're still selling. They think that, uh, well, you know, now I'm, I'm managing people and they're going to do what I say. And that's not the way I've worked as an employee and that's not the way i think most of us operate as employees you know we'll we'll, we'll do we'll, we'll we'll give what we can give we we're not uh outright looking to shirk on everything but you know why would i do that you you want me to change you want me to change the way i sell you want me to change the way i input data and the systems i use um why why would i and 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 so you know grant when i got your book and I, I don't think it was, uh, it may have been the first sentence, it was certainly in the first paragraph, uh, you know, that message of what about the person, what about the individual came through. And I, I remember thinking, well, regardless of what the rest of the book says, this message is important enough to put out there that uh, people aren't going to do what you say just because you said it. They're not going to uh, implement this change just because you put a spreadsheet together and it's the it, it optimizes the, you know, uh, the, the outcomes of the available choices. And um, no, we, we have to take in, take them into account. And um, some organizations might not love that fact, but it is a fact. You have to account for them. They, mm -hmm. they have a say in this and uh, why not get them on board? Why not help them do the best they can? I think we've all been in those, those conversations when we've been going through change and people have just been defining team members as to whether they're on the bus or off the bus. Uh, and, and that seems to be the only choice they have. Uh, and, and this does sound like it's, uh, uh, as, you, as you said, Teresa, a more compassionate way of dealing with people, but actually it's also the pragmatic and sensible way. We all know that Highly skilled salespeople are a precious resource right now. They're harder to get hold of. Mm -hmm. um, their their relationships with the clients are the very essence of what we need to be successful. So that slightly cavalier approach to on the bus or off the bus probably just doesn't work any longer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so interesting if you think about you know the concept of change at work. You know, uh, Dr. Willie, you, you lead sales students and developing and fostering their minds through change, but yet they experience so much personal change just by being a student every day in their lives. Teresa, you lead in global organizational change, coaching, practitioner-led, so much instructional um, opportunities that you guide, but yet do we talk about personal change? And I, I, I think I'm fair to say until you and I met, probably not. Um, and Patrick, you as well too, you lead the Institute of Sales Professionals, which is sets the standards for sales accreditation and uh, ethics um, and CPD. But where do we talk about change management and the actual salespeople who are experiencing in global change uh, and every day in their daily lives? So there's a common thread that's coming through all of us. And, and Dr. Phil, you lead, you know, the leading sales transformation, the master's program, uh, among so much other that you do as well too. And I think that this this journey that I've been on uh, caught you by surprise as well too, but I'm very uh, passionately thankful that you actually encouraged it. Because uh, two weeks ago, when I did my first TED Talk here in London, I opened up the TED Talk with this question, and I'm gonna ask this question to each of you here on my panel. Um, raise your hand if you have ever been taught how to manage personal change. Mm, anybody? Does reading your book no? <laughs> Not yet. You're cheating. So think about that for a moment. 
you know, and even Teresa's world, I encourage you to, to do this with all of your team members as well, too. We know as adults and in business and in school and academia, et cetera, about organizational change, a lot about it. And there are many different beautiful models, and they're great at, at what they're designed and intended to do and very useful. I've used most of these models in my, in my career pathway. But when you think about the changes we are expected to lead as supervisors and leaders, we don't ask an employee, we don't stop and ask an employee, hey, Eddie, do you enjoy this change? Do you embrace this change? Do you support this change? Can you participate in this change? Those are statements and questions that you will not typically hear from supervisors. Why? Because they haven't been taught how to manage personal change themselves. And this you can associate back in your, in, your, in your own lives as well, too. Whenever you've experienced change, whether it be at work, at school, university, or in your practice, and you felt anxiety about it, and you went to a friend. So, for example, Dr. Phil, you've given me this assignment. I don't know what to do. I'm panicking. And Dr. Phil will say, well, Grant, you're going to be great. Don't worry about it. You can do it. Just study hard. Does that make you feel good? Maybe for a moment, but honestly, no. And if you get to the science of it, your body and mind is saying something's wrong. I can't process this. I'm not able to understand what's happening. So therefore now I'm physically stressed. I'm physically displaying anxiety and worry. It could be in uh, rapid heartbeat, goosebumps, sweats, whatever. Uh, but your body and mind is saying something's wrong. And we haven't been taught how to deal with that. That's where scared so what comes into play. And if we can teach this to people in school all the way throughout their lives, coaches, practitioners, um, uh, sales professionals, uh, it really is for anybody and everybody. If you can teach somebody how to critically reflect on change that's happening with them and how they can make their own plan to enact the change in the way they want. Now, remember, they can ex uh, uh, accept change or reject change, and that's fine. If you accept the change your supervisors or your teachers are proposing on you, then great. But what happens if you reject it? If you reject it, you still are going to say, well, so what? So what does this mean? Or so what can I do about it? And that's where you need to think about it. The goal is not to make assumptions. So I think in all of our line of work, this could be, as Teresa rightfully said, uh, applicable. You know, This is something we can work with together to understand how do we manage personal change, and then we can apply organizational change on top of that. Then coaching comes in to support that as well, too. So all of it blends together. Um, and really, to Willie, to my academics here, uh, Dr. Willie and Dr. Phil, you're the teaching gurus. So how will you take this and put this into your guidance, into your curriculum, into your programs to teach sales students and soon be uh, sales professionals how to lead others and lead for themselves? That's uh, kind of an interesting question I have on my mind. Is that a rhetoric question, or are you wanting us to answer? <laughs> I would love for you to answer. <laughs> I, I think it's really interesting because we we had a workshop uh, in the office uh, yesterday about safeguarding, you know, and um, and you know dealing with anxiety and how as a teacher you're able to kind of spot that in people and one of the things that i think is quite difficult from an education point of view is spotting you know when people have these kind of challenges everyone's got their own personal context so i think we've we've had a a really interesting kind of wake up call i would say you know when we started to to now we have hundreds of students now going through the program a lot you know some of them is fresh out of school and you know into this big world and you know some of them are really struggling and so uh, for us it's now an important agenda item for every single module that we run we know we talk about it uh, of course your book grant is going to become on the reading list of, <laughs> of oh, wow. uh, module four uh, and uh, that we have on the leadership program so I think it's I think what you've done here is you sort of added a very welcomed addition, you know, to the topic, but also provided some very great and simple to use frameworks, you know, for people to to kind of help them work through the process. So, 
I think the timing of this is really good. I, I think, you know, we talked about the pace of change right at the very beginning. I think people are going to be under more and more pressure, you know, to, to meet their targets, to meet quotas with less resources. And so I think that it's a topic that, um, you know, has come of age, if you like. Um, perhaps it should have done before, but certainly, you know, for us, it's something we're, we're taking really seriously. So Wonderful. thank you for your contribution. Thank you. No, thank you. Dr. Willie, what are your thoughts with students? Yeah, I mean, the students are in a very specific time of their lives. We've got a bunch of 20-somethings that, you know, the, the, the big pressing change facing them is I'm starting a career. I'm, I'm transforming. I, I was a, a kid yesterday, and today I'm a professional, and they're sending me to go talk to adults about uh, things that cost money. And, um, you know, that's something that uh, to me is a very salient change, to them is a very salient change, but it would never be covered by one of these org change models, right? It's not an org change, although, you know, you could construe it for companies that hire large cohorts of salespeople, they probably should be thinking of it as an organizational change. But, um, you know, these these things matter to them, and they have a lot of, you know, one of the ones that we've been talking about uh, a lot, this is this is something that's different here at Texas A&M compared to Florida State, where I was before. At Florida State in Tallahassee, uh, nowhere near any major metropolitan area, uh, we don't, there's no, there's not an issue of kids wanting to stick around after they graduate. They, they've got to go somewhere. They've got to get out. Well, at, at A&M, we're very close to Houston, Austin, pretty close to Dallas, and, and kids have families in these in these nice cities and they know what happy hour they like to go to on Thursdays and you know even even something simple decisions like should I take a job that's going to send me to some crazy place I've never heard of you know should I be a, a mobile person or should I dig my heels in and stick around in, in my hometown and and trying to encourage them to do do the things that are maybe new and, and scarier uh, you know it, it's just overwhelmingly applicable to, uh, to, to younger professionals starting their career, right? Um, I was going to say it, it, it has an air of something therapeutic also, Grant. I, I don't know if, uh, you know if you went to sort of uh, clinical types of uh, resources when you're doing putting this together, but uh, that's not uncommon in sales. I mean, a lot of our consultative sales processes, I, I've had doctors uh, do spin questions to me. I don't think they would call them spin questions. They would, they probably have some other acronym, you know, uh, heal. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, but they, but they follow the same process and I pick up on it. I go, oh, these guys are doing their due diligence. They're doing the right thing. Um, but, you know, as much as we talk about, wellness and mental health and, and all of these things that are very real and affect our organizations, you know, this, this uh, attention to the personal change process, I think is, is quite well-placed. Uh, very good. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate that. I'm well, curious. I, 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 yes, go ahead. I've just, we, we heard the beginning of the story, the situation with Royal Caribbean that led you down this journey of, of, of your research, um, uh, developing the, the, the the the, uh, the quiz that goes behind the app, writing the book, um, mm -hmm. you've had almost probably the largest experimental laboratory in in the, in the yeah. history of all doctorates. I, I shouldn't imagine the journey is yet finished, but how's it working out? It's been phenomenal so far. Um, like again, still tomorrow I will be uh, in a live uh, town hall teaching Scared So What, uh, the new digital version to our teams because my human resources and the diversity and inclusion side of it asked if we could make this more inclusive for people and bring change processes into our people, you know, because that's exactly what Scared So What does. It's including the individual. So it now has uh, an even expanded home that I didn't really think about, which is DNI and how to be more inclusive of, of the individual. So it's continuing to expand, which is great. Uh, the app officially launched just last week and went live. And as of this morning, we have 113 uh, users. So they've already signed up organically. Uh, yesterday, it was with the ISP. So some members joined up. And again, we have today's session. And I'm hoping everybody who's listening will download the app for free. It is free for individuals to use. Um, and that comes deep from my heart because I figure if we can take all of this uh, research and put it into play that helps so many people, over the past few years, if I can put it in the phone to allow people to use it, then we're helping the greater good. 
Um, so I am making it free for individuals. For organizations, there will be just a very tiny licensing fee. Um, but I figure if I can pay for it out of my pocket to get this out to the world, then maybe a company can help kick in to support their employees as well too. But overwhelmingly, it's been very positive. And um, I focus on Teresa as well too, because I've done two webinars with the uh, Change Management Review and a podcast. Thank you so much, uh, Teresa, and uh, to all of you. But I'm, I was so, I think, stricken by Teresa's interest because I'm, uh, Dr. Phil, you remember, I am challenging the great leaders who have paved the way over the last hundred years of change management. Uh, you think, you know, John Carter, Daryl Connor, uh, Kurt Lewin, all of the, the orchestrators of change management. And um, uh, to be able to speak with Teresa, who represents all of that through the change management review, coaching, practitioner-led research as well, and support. Um, Teresa, what was your initial thought when you and I first engaged about this? Because it's personal change. And you were like, what does that mean? Well, you know, honestly, um, I love new thinking. And that's what change management review is about. So when you approached me about this concept, I thought, oh, you know, um, this is something that I'd wondered about. And um, you actually did the research and brought it together. And so I was excited to see it in its application um, and, and to, you know, hear about the Royal Caribbean story. And um, I thought it was a really good approach and tool that could complement these other organizational models. So that's what really I really thought about was, um, wow, this is something really new. And um, and we, we've got to listen to it and we've got to figure it out and, you know, bring it to the front so everybody can see how they can utilize this in their transformations. Great. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. Patrick? Yeah, so I think it would be, we're, we're moving on in time. It would be interesting, I think, just to uh, ask, our, ask our guests, the panelists, just sort of one key takeaway. What's the one thing from, from reading Grant's book, having a look at the app, what, what's the biggest thing that's resonated with you from, from reading that back? What, Dr. Willie, what's your, what, what would you say to that? Ooh, the one thing. Um, it's these types of questions that make you want to uh, bend the rules on the fly. Uh, what about two things? No, the, the one thing, I mean, in, in summary, uh, you matter and that's okay. You know, you, you don't you don't have to feel bad about having an opinion on the change or having concerns about the change or, or any of that, right? You're, you, you as an employee are part of the process um, and it's, it's good. It's right. And you, you, you were agonizing over a second choice. If I gave you two choices, what would the second? Oh, one? Lord. No, no, I was, uh, that was just filler. I don't have a second one. No. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, what would you what would you say to that? I would say practical. It's uh, simple but not simplistic. It's practical. Mm -hmm. Excellent, excellent. And Teresa, I think I have to go back to the the compassion word. You know, I think it's very compassionate. And I think it's very empowering uh, for an individual to be able to make a decision on whether they support the change and have some support about what they what they do, regardless of that decision. Yeah. And the thing that struck me was that it's it's when you think about it, it's a blinding flash of the obvious. You know, we, we, we've all seen these big corporate change models, we've all been on either end or sometimes both ends of those models. Uh, and uh, I, for one, never really thought about the, the personal impact it had on people. But of course, unless you're taking the people with you on the journey, the change isn't going to happen. It's certainly not going to stick. Um, and, and it's like all the best ideas, it's actually really simple in its, in its, in its origins, um, but also uh, pretty profound as well. Dr. Grant, what 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 would you what do you want us to take away from from the conversation today? What's what's the thing that you want to leave us with in terms of uh, so scared, so what, and transforming sales management? What what are the things that you want us to, to take away from it? Well, there's a couple of things I would like you to take away. Uh, number one is you have the ability to manage personal change for yourself. You just have to learn. We haven't been taught that, so you can do it. 
So all that unnecessary stress, unnecessary worry, unnecessary anxiety, and regardless if it's a positive change, you don't have to be scared to use the model because we do have positive change, like we're getting married or getting a new job or moving house, etc. Your body can't tell the difference. It's still stress, still anxiety. But if you can learn how to control that with scared so what, and what scared so what does is scared looks at your feelings and helps you embrace and critically think about the change so you can make an informed decision. And so what is, what's your plan? And how will you take ownership for that? So I have uh, two things to give to you, to share with you. And one of them is not just mine as well, too. This all started with Dr. Philip Squire in his book, which is called Selling Transformed. And this is uh, through his doctorate and from the master's program as well, too, that he's devised that I was a participant with. Uh, so I was the first master's student, which is an MSc in science for leading sales transformation through the Consolidated Sales Business School and Middlesex University. And his book is just an absolute must read. Um, it talks about the values, the values behind selling and the sales mindsets and behaviors that customers want to be sold to. So it's very critical for us to be learning. And maybe um, uh, some of my fellow colleagues here might uh, recommend this as well, too, one day. And then Transforming Sales Management. This book is not just for salespeople. It's for everybody. Um, it is the world's first book that houses the top eight global organizational change models in one place. And then we focus on the individual and why the individual is so important. And then I go in and introduce you to Scared So What? And so you can learn how to manage personal change. So it's almost like, I don't know, Teresa, am I being so brave to say that this is a, a total change management book in one? That includes the individual? Yeah. Yeah. I think it does. I think so it does. Definitely yep. unique and a first. And then from there, I want you to walk away today and download the app. So just go to scaredsowhat.com or any of my social media and you can follow us. But on scaredsowhat.com, you can download this app for free. So I've taken this learning and I'm giving it to you. It's been several years, obviously, you can imagine doing the research and to build this, but it's in an app now. So the app is called Scared So What. It is available on the Apple Store and the Android Google Play. And you download it for free. And now you've got a tool in your hand. There, I have a series of videos that will teach you what is personal change and how you manage it. And then you can take the quiz digitally. There are 30 questions. There are a lot of them are very similar, but it's that way on purpose. So we can really find out what's going on with you and give you visual results. And as you see here in the center, your results are visual, where red is negative and green is positive. But there's also something in the middle called indecision. Have you ever felt that way before? You know, hey, Teresa, I just don't know what to do. Dr. Willie, uh, can't you tell me? Dr. Phil, can't you guide me? What am I supposed to do? Well, that's called indecision. And usually when you find yourself in indecision, you will see that the A for actions is going to be red, negative, and the E for explore, which is another action point, is going to be red as well, too. It means you didn't do the work. So you need to do the actions necessary to generate information so that you can make a favorable decision. So that's your guiding point. And what's unique about the app is when you touch on each one of these little areas, it then goes into a video tutorial where somebody's actually live telling you what your results mean. From there, once you make a decision, you go over and build your so what plan. What is my strategy? What are my options? What's my way forward? Do I have hope or know how I'm going to do the change? What actions will I do to take a responsibility? And finally, how will I take ownership to make sure the change happens in the way I want, not the way somebody else wants? And that's kind of the opposite of organizational change. So that's the app which is available for you. It's free, download it today from scaredsowhat.com. And then I think lastly, to close out, Dr. Phil and I have a gift we'd like to give every Dr. Phil. Of course. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what we're going to do, but uh, <laughs> I think I do, actually. I think, uh, I think Eddie will go ahead and put it up live on the screen. So for everybody who is interested in either one of these books, we have worked with Kogan Page, our global publishers, who've published both of our books, and they've given us well above the normal discount, but they've given us a 25% discount on both of our books. You just go to koganpage.com and enter the code TSMWebinar. And when you do that, you can do it for either one of our books, but I hope you'll get both of them because they really do tell the story together. Uh, but you can get that for 25% off, and that's available through today all the way through the 24th, so for a limited time only. 
share that with your friends and your colleagues wherever you'd like. Uh, Willie, share it with all your students. We would love more book sure, sales sure. and people to learn about personal change and change management and selling transformed. But that's what I would like to give away. I know that was a mouthful, uh, Patrick, but you asked. I did, didn't I? When we got, I think just a lovely comment that's come in from, from Will, actually, just uh, the timing of all of this, it being Mental Health uh, Awareness Week. Uh, mm -hmm. And the fact that this app is going to support people through what, for many, is is the most stressful time of their life, let alone their career, yeah. when they're facing major change, the threats that come with that, or indeed the opportunities that come with it, if it's some of the positive changes you were talking about. So I think it's, uh, I don't know if it was deliberate, but it's certainly serendipitous that the uh, the book and the app are coming out during Mental Health Awareness Week. So I think that's a, a double win for everyone. There you go. So I think we're getting we're getting to the end of our time. Um, I, yes. I think, I think we would all like to thank Willie, Teresa and Phil very much for, for their invaluable contributions today. Um, it's been uh, a, a great experience to be part of it. Uh, but most of all, uh, Grant, you're the one who's brought us all together with the new book and the new app. Um, I know we all wish you every success with it. We're all uh, very happy to endorse it and recommend it to those who haven't been lucky enough to get an advanced copy. Uh, so do take advantage of the offer. And I'm sure we're going to be seeing and hearing an awful lot more about uh, transforming sales management and scared so what, and probably a fair bit more about Dr. Grant Van Albrick as well. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. And thanks for joining with us and today. Thanks. And thank you, Patrick, for chairing. You did a great job. Yes. <laughs> thanks, Rick Patrick. <laughs> sure. All right, team. Thanks, everybody, and have a wonderful day. I'm so glad you could be here with us on this moment.